0: ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Oh, now I did say that we were going to talk a bit about cats today
1: and... God, our no, feminism and cats, <laughs> they're, they're really broad, broadening our audience base, aren't we? Bang. 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 Bang on. Hello. Hello, Zan. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, um, you know, just good. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really have anything to say then. I'm like, I'm good. I don't, I don't know. This is the you rare
0: moment where you haven't been like running around like a with the chook with its head cut off. You're like,
1: I'll be good. Just things are good. Yeah. I think I'm good. I'm like, you know, at the supermarket when someone says, you know, how are you? Like, oh, you're yeah, good. It's good with a like, question mark, isn't it? I think I'm good. Yeah. I think I hadn't actually thought if I'm good or not yet. i'm I'm just not sure. Just not sure. But I think I am. yeah, I'm good so'm I'm, I'm in Brisbane, it's sunny, it's nice. I'm feeling the How are you. I'm
0: feeling the general kind of vibe of sun-soaked relaxo rancho relaxo in your voice, mm-hmm. which I think is very good. It's a good full yes. stop instead of good question mark. Good? No, it's good. <laughs> it's Good.
1: um, thank you to all of the bang family got in contact about what to wear in the the different weather climate that I find myself in, and feeling flabbergasted by the options of my own Melbourne wardrobe. Um, thank you all. I will get back to some of you, and I do appreciate it. um I've already. I've already got myself a few new linen linen things and it's making perfect sense. So thank you. Thank you. We got overwhelmed in the
0: bang box. And yes, as you know, if you're a long-term bang fam, I do forward on all the emails because I'm the one who reads them. But there was such yep. an amazing response to your call out for stylists and for tips on wearing hot weather. And I've got to say that I've kind of stolen a few of them as well because I'm going mm. to Japan in a couple of weeks where it's coming out of summer, but it's still quite humid. And I think that the conditions of Brisbane now are kind of what Japan is like at the moment too. So I'm off to get the bike shorts to stop the chafing. Yes. I'm off to get the linens and ready to have yes. some breathable fabrics as I go into a similar sort of climate. So thank you, BangFam. You always thank come you, through. Thank
1: you, One of the hot tips, though, and I know that we talked about this just a couple of weeks ago, was putting um, deodorant on your face to stop the sweating. <laughs> um, one of the lovely BangFam emails included put the deodorant under your boobs and stop the underboobs. Why have I not thought of this shit? Have you given it a go? No, not yet, but I will. <laughs> I will, I had not, like, I just, where have, why is my brain not working in a functional, normal way? And just go, that would make sense. Roll on going in all kinds of places it never has before
0: after you've moved to Brisbane. I love it. Totally. I'm putting it all over my body. Ah, uh, bang on. Your place for music, art, life, and stuff. For different uh, ways to use roll on deodorant. And this <laughs> week as well, I will forecast that we are going to be debriefing on the season finale of And Just Like That, which we mentioned last week. Mm. We've watched it now. I realised that I hadn't actually watched the last two episodes. So I had a double header. It was almost like watching Ooh. another Sex in the City movie. Um, and we're going to be debriefing on that too. Weirdly, we've got a bit of cat talk. In today's Bang On, which I'm here for. A lot
1: of cat talk. A um, lot of cat talk.
0: Which will make sense. But last week we were talking, myth about what happened when the Spanish Football Federation president, Luis Rubiales, forcibly kissed Jenny Hermoso, one of the World Cup winning players for the Spanish mm. theme, in front of millions of people, if not billions, um, yep. as they took to the stage to collect their prize. And a lot has happened oh. since
1: we... Because it was just sort of kicking off last Thursday. So much has happened in that week, hasn't it? That's right. Well, I mean, at the time, um, Omoso had come out and said not too much about the kiss. It was, It was almost as if she was brushing it over. But then she came in with a a following statement, having had a think about it probably on the flight back and and, and basically implied that the whole thing was completely inappropriate, it was against her will, and uh, that she couldn't stand for that kind of activity to be happening to not just her but to other women. And it was a very strong statement. And the world has embraced her. And uh, the conversations around exactly what happened, why it happened and whether or not it's acceptable, I think we now know it's completely unacceptable and it was not warranted and the repercussions of it all have been extraordinary in the last week.
0: Yeah, well, he's been asked to step down. He's stood firm and quite arrogantly said no. He's been giving um, speeches to rooms, which, if you've seen the video, has gotten a standing ovation from some men and a lot of women just going, what the fuck, Um, in the room as he talks about uh, things like toxic feminism trying to take him down. Mm. Um, it Again, I think that there's just this has really sparked a reaction in so many women in particular because we've seen this before where a guy does something that's clearly wrong and then makes it about someone else having a problem with him, centres himself in it as a victim, mm. um, which is just so hectically messed up. And a lot of women have been protesting in the streets, it's women's right, the streets rights in activists yeah, in it. Madrid, um, and also in his hometown. Dozens of counter-protesters have also been gathering in a show of support. His mother has been on a hunger strike to draw attention to, quote, her son's inhumane treatment. It's just wild. And again, I think it's stirring up um, a lot of opinions and reactions on either side of the fields. But Annabelle Crab captured it in such a brilliant piece, which I yeah. think- just, I read this piece, Miff, and I was like, as I do when I read a lot of these kind of pieces, and I'm just reminded when you take a step back and think, all the shit that we have to deal with every week, every day, when we have to work twice as hard to be considered half as good, mm-hmm. and even then we're completely undermined. How are we not, as women, wandering around with friggin' steam rising off our heads, twenty four well, hours a day, seven days a week? I've I like had are. enough.
1: I think we are in this whole moment that's happening with so many so many things, you know, that we talk about the success of the Barbie film and, and there's another article that we'll bring up in just a tick about, about that. But this moment whereby everybody is just waiting to be able to go, hey, everyone, you're wrong. We're great at this stuff. And we make money and we are physically capable and we are, you know, we have brilliant minds, all of these things that we've been fighting for. And I think Annabelle Crabb's article really nailed it because she's essentially playing with that idea of when women are successful in male-dominated fields, they are regularly reminded of the importance of making it on merit, Mm. you know. Oh, you you can't just be a a pick because you're... um, uh, you know part of a quota you have to get you have to succeed because of merit or on merit and it's just so infuriating because
0: we do because, and then there's something else that do. comes in that questions it
1: <laughs> yeah we do and that's the thing she she suggests that this the 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 women playing soccer have achieved their goals on merit they've uh, Behaved professionally, they've performed, they've brought in the numbers, they've done all the right things, and yet still their moment gets taken away mm. by some doofus bloke. But in this instance, she's mentioned not just one doofus bloke, but a whole bunch of them. It started with Channel 7's David Bashir, who brought the comment in at the initial first broadcast saying that certainly motherhood has not blunted her competitive instincts, that's for sure. That's talking about one of the main players in the in the Matildas. And then there was Prince I heard, I heard
0: that actually. Like when that yeah. I was watching that, and when I heard that, I was like, "I just kind of went, hang on, did he just what did he just say, say that? that
1: yeah did like, like did that just happen
0: what, why, what is happening? It yeah. just was so, yeah, it just it just yeah, anyway, go on, sorry, just really yeah, m- mess with me.
1: it's astounding, and Prince William um for <laughs> not turning out first and foremost when two of his Commonwealth teams are in the finals, sitting there with his daughter and then saying, go on, go on, ladies, go out there and enjoy yourself. Have fun. Have fun. Enjoy your hobby. It's not that, yeah, enjoy your hobby because, you know, you clearly don't get paid as much as men, so we won't take it as seriously. And uh, then she also mentions um, when Robbie Slater, a former soccerer, brought down Sam Kerr's achievements as surpassing Tim Cahill's goal-scoring record and then belittling it. At the same time, saying that the comparisons between the the two greats was disrespectful to Kale, and it's like, hang on a minute, no, she is the greatest. She's got more than you, mate. Yeah, it's on the but board. The, but the implication is that women's sport is not as difficult. Yeah. And she therefore doesn't deserve that success. Like, so it's like there are so many instances, and then it, then it just kept happening and kept happening throughout the whole process. And she's nailed everyone, Annabelle. Uh, <laughs> It's, yeah.
0: She captured a feeling and also I think just that kicker of being reminded that after this huge victory and after just not just the final and the victors, Spain winning the Women's World Cup, but the whole few weeks beforehand and, you know, we were talking about it throughout. We've pretty much become a bloody sports podcast in Bang On. So excited. The whole country has been enraptured by this good feeling, this excitement and this real sort of, Feeling of, of of grassroots change in women's sport, not in, not only in Australia but across the world, and to have that in the moments, literally the seconds after, it, the the win happens, some dickhead bloke undermined it, and that becomes the focus, and mm. that's the the sort of this kind of tipping point. And you really hope it is a tipping point. And you can see from the reactions of people actually calling for him to step down, it is hopefully a tipping point because in other times and other places and other years, maybe this wouldn't have happened. But she says, you know, it's not just the kiss. This is what women everywhere who are subjected to workplace harassment find so exhausting. It's not just being kissed or touched or leered at or whatever. It's that you have to deal with the truckloads of bullshit that come after. And Mm. once again, instead of celebrating this victory, women are having to deal with the truckloads of bullshit, having to answer for a man's mistakes, having to explain why this is wrong, having to do the heavy lifting while men cry foul and say that they're the victims. And Annabelle is not having a bit of it. It is such a good piece. It is such a good piece. I
1: I just love it, this line. If merit is so important, then why won't the future king of England fly to a Commonwealth country to witness it? Why won't football writers acknowledge it? Why don't vast wealthy football behemoths pay for it? Why don't male media executives think viewers will watch it? Like, it's, it's just ridiculous. And... The the mention of quotas, you know, it gets so many people so upset. Oh, can't have quotas. You can't be a quota pick or a diversity pick or whatever. And this is usually by men who are quite upset about it because it means they might not have a position as easily as perhaps they once would. But you think about it, when they mention quotas, it's like, hang on a sec, you've had quotas going on for thousands of years. Mm. And that quota is only men get the job. (laughs) Yes. So... Your argument is redundant in the first place. The quota is you've got the job. You're a
0: man. The amount of unqualified men that go for jobs compared to the amount of overqualified women who won't go for the jobs because they don't believe they're qualified or simply don't have the access to it is astounding. We could go on for days. This ties Mm. into that other article that you shared with me this week about that, you know, I guess another question of merit and just the success that, art, sport, entertainment that women are making, that women are starring in, is proving that we are a bankable gender and yeah. why the world isn't catching up en masse. I love this piece.
1: Yeah. yeah, Elaine Steed has written this. It's called Stop and Pay Attention, the Unsurprising Commercial Value of Women. And um Talks about the success of Barbie, the success of the World Cup, and that's because there, and also the success of, I guess, plus size size clothing is used as an example as well, and that's because the audience for it have a pent up demand. We've been waiting for this stuff. We've mm. been waiting for a smart, feminist, funny film to talk about the things that we talk about each week here on the podcast. We've been waiting for clothes that we can actually wear that fit our bodies. We've been waiting to watch World Cup footy and and be able to support women who play it absolutely brilliantly. And Elaine has written, the common thread here is that despite all evidence to the contrary, the commercial value of women is still consistently underestimated as creators, as builders, as athletes and performers, as customers. And this is why women don't get funded to the same level as men with venture capital, why companies that target women's markets get less funding. It's why women are still experiencing gender pay inequality. It's why the infrastructure and support needed to allow women to participate equally in the economy. is not considered a need, it's a luxury in brackets childcare and it is why the jobs that are staffed disproportionately by women such as teaching and care industries are not paid well enough because they are not valued.
0: Why you cut out half the population in terms of a business model has always astounded me. And I think mm. that maybe some people are starting to realise that. It's certainly one of the conversations that when we were emceeing a, an event a couple of weeks ago, if people were talking about that a lot, it's like, why would you cut out fifty more than 50% of the population in your business plan? It just doesn't make sense. Or indeed the talent, the talent pool that you have, mm. whether it's sport, entertainment, business, all of that. Why would you cut that out? It's a really valid question. And I think there's a lot of women who have a lot of answers, but it'd be nice for men to have answers as well for that yeah. instead of us doing all the heavy they're bloody not, lifting. They're not
1: they're not sitting around talking about this, are they? <laughs> That's the other frustration. Yes. It's like, where are the allies here?
0: Yeah. There's a few, but not enough. Not Look- enough. On that same tip, we got an email and there was an article going around um, this week about STEM, which, if I'm sure you know the bang fan, but science technology, engineering maths, that's what STEM is, long been spoken about as something that is also devoid of women, not for women not being interested, but of course the pathways in order to get into that um, are a lot narrower for women for many, many reasons. There's a new study that was published this week in the Australian Journal of Education um just on Monday, and they've found that, in the Australian curriculum, there are very few and in some case no women scientists or engineers or mathematicians mentioned mm. in the curriculum. This celebration of people who have been the innovators um, as kids come up and they think about who they mm. could aspire to is pretty yeah. much all men.
1: This study found only one female scientist, British chemist, Rosalind Franklin, was named in high school curriculums in Queensland, South Australia and the Northern Territory. All remaining states and territories failed to mention a single contribution of a woman in STEM, instead focusing coursework exclusively on a male narrative. I mean, that's just, if if these are the facts on a plate, it's fucked.
0: Well, there's so many of them as well.
1: (laughs) Uh, Mary Curie,
0: who won the Nobel Prize, you've got physicist Lise Meitner, electrical engineer Florence Violet McKenzie, Australia's got heaps of examples, Lisa Harvey-Smith, who I've I've actually shared a science hour with her and Dr Karl once years ago, Um, astronomer Carly Noon. Kirsten Alexandra Banks, astrophysicist and science communicator. I mean, there's a shit tonne of them and none of them make the cut in the Australian curriculum. I think it looks like... In
1: 2023. In
0: 2023. There's a few (laughs) people who are making a bit of a difference. The Queensland curriculum are promising to address gender representation um, in its senior science syllabuses, promising. Um, And a few other people are including their five women, in fact, in New South Wales in their draft syllabus for seven to ten Students, But if you think about the amount of men that are celebrated, you know, we're talking Einstein, but we're talking about all the other hundreds of other scientists that yeah. have been celebrated since we were going to school as well and continue in 2023. Um, It's a pretty off stat. So it's great that this is, again, putting it in front of us, making the steam on my head rise, but also hopefully... Agitating for change. And I got to give a shout out to Kate, who's one of our Bang Fam, who is a scientist, a linguist, a science communicator. She emailed us into the Bang Box, um, emailing in from Borloo, Perth, and um, said that she was yelling from the other side of the country, from Noongar lands, a massive Bang fan. Um, mm. But also, one of my favourite parts of Kate's email, which was long and detailed about this study, and I thank her for it, was that incongruously she said, P.S. I love Pilates. Mm. I don't uh, know. Like,
1: did we talk about Pilates? I don't know. Have I dis Pilates? I think I probably have. It. So, I mean, it's very good for you. She put it in cap sniff. It's very good for you, but I can't remember if I've had a go about Pilates because I get bored. I just love that. That's I'm...
0: real bang on energy, isn't it? Just some yeah. random side bang.
1: I love Pilates. Bang Pilates. I love Pilates too. I like it. I like how it's got machines. It keeps me entertained, but. Not enough to keep going back.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much, Kate. We love you. We love you. Oh, now I did say that we were going to talk a bit about cats today. And God, you now feminism
1: and cats, <laughs> they're, they're really broad, broadening our audience base, aren't we? Nah, solidifying. What are they celebrating? Say? Preaching to the, con- preaching to <laughs> to the, the converted, I think, is exactly what we're doing today. Everybody loves cats. Uh,
0: you, yeah. Do you remember? And I had to check the date on this. All the way back in 2017, pretty much the year that Bang On started, six years ago, there was a viral story in The New Yorker called Cat Person. It was written by Mm. Christine Ropenian and everyone was talking about this. Do you remember this story? Uh,
1: It was incredible. Well, we we couldn't get enough of it. It's the first time I think in my knowledge of recent popular culture whereby everybody was talking about a short story.
0: Yeah. I mean, when was the
1: last time a short story was the centre of anyone's dialogue? Oh, let me let me talk about the latest Peter Carey <laughs> short story. No one's saying that. Never. And, I, I mean, I love, I've got all the Peter Carey short story books, but, like, it's not a chat It's not going viral. having with friends. <laughs> yeah. No. No. And it was wonderful. Like, it was really, it put writing front and centre. It put the ideas behind this story front and centre which was very much at the beginning of the Me Too movement and it's about a young woman who ends up having a relationship with an older guy who says he has a cat who I suspect never had a cat in the first place who was you know pretty creepy in the end and there was a lot of things about consent and power involved in that story, it was really quite a fascinating read and it had the most revolting photograph that went with it when it was printed in The New Yorker as well, with that guy with his bristly lips kissing her. I will put that in the show notes if you want want to relive that. We
0: just relived it and went (laughs) just then. But it also, I think that so many people and particularly women resonated with this story because, yeah, it was about those subtleties of how you tell someone that you're not interested in them mm. without offending them slash because also you're scared of what their reaction yes. will be, whether it's um, verbally or physically abusive. And that really struck a chord with a lot of women. That line from that Courtney Barnett song, men are afraid that women will laugh at them, women are afraid that men will kill them. You know, mm. it's just like it's, it's stark like that and I think that it's something that not everyone understands, particularly if you're non-male, but mm. it's something that resonated with a lot of women. And the reason that I wanted to bring up Cat Person was because I think we talked about this when we first found out about it. It's become a film, and the trailer for it came out this week. This is the worst life decision I've ever made.
1: I had a good time tonight. Didn't you?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm.
1: So what was his go-to move? The reverse squatting cowgirl?
0: Mm. Or his cats at least cute?
1: I never saw them. Uh Uh-oh. Why lie about having cats? Mm. Because liking cats makes a guy seem non-threatening.
0: That's the sounds of Cousin Greg, who plays Mm. the guy, the creepy guy. And I am so keen for this film.
1: (laughs) He's perfectly cast as the creepy guy, really, isn't he? I mean, he's been been playing this role pretty closely in succession. And now he's he's sort of perfectly cast as as a man who who takes interest in a much younger woman and he's, he's got like serious incel vibes, doesn't he? Oh,
0: my God. I don't even know what his name is. I only
1: know him as Cousin Greg. I just had to Google it. Nicholas Braun is the actor. That's it. That's <laughs> it. Um, Yeah, and it looks amazing and I will definitely watch this film, although I've got to say the trailer pretty much does the film. I'm a, I was watching it going, there's not much left here. That's what trailers really? do
0: these days. A bad no, trailer they tells suck. too much of the story, don't they? They suck. Not like the
1: Barbie trailer that didn't give away anything. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You're so right. Yeah. But there wasn't much of a story to Cat Person because it was a short story. So they've just put it all into the trailer and... Uh, Yeah, I feel like I want to watch it, but I've already seen
0: it. That said, I reckon if you think about when they try to translate a book, a novel to a film, it's always too much crunched in Mm. because a short story is still pretty long. This is a pretty long short story as well. It was. I'm very keen to see it. Cat Person, the film coming out. I'm not sure when it's opening in Australia. I'll put the trailer in if you want to watch the whole thing. I think there's an Australian actor involved in it too who plays um, the main character's best mate as well. So that's pretty exciting as well. Very, yeah. very good.
1: And from one cat to another, good news for <laughs> little cat in New York City. Did you see the uh, last couple of episodes? I know you did. Uh, of And just like that, there was a, a new addition to Sarah Jessica Parker's apartment. And that was uh, a small feline, small Shoe. little great little tabby. Yeah, she called Shoe. Um, and it seems that, I, look, I got a bit worried in the finale because she left the door open, and <laughs> I was like, "Dude, you're not, you not—you don't know how to have a cat if you've got an indoor cat. True. What are you doing? Like, you're an idiot. Stop it." That made me very cat. anxious seeing that scene. <laughs> I got really anxious watching that. And, um, but luckily, she does actually in real life have some understanding. Uh, She has gone on to adopt a particular cat. It's so cute. Um, Her and Matthew Broderick and
0: their kids and the little kitty just in their beautiful Upper East Side mansion that they have, No. no doubt.
1: Best little life. His off-camera name is Lotus was posted on Instagram. He and his siblings were all given botanical names when they were rescued as newborns by the Cat Humane Society. Oh, my God. I love that. Got rescue that's, cute. It, it's so goop.
0: A I was going to say, goop, that's, but also Lotus, that's rescue. very Namaste, isn't it? That's a real Namaste totally.
1: name. <laughs> totally, totally. Lotus! Yeah. you got
0: to call a name when you call a cat to make sure that it works Lotus, it's got to be two syllables. I remember the first cat I ever got. Steve! Oh, that's true, Steve. (laughs) You just add a little Steve. You add a key change in there. (laughs) You name your pets the best names, though, I will
1: say that.
0: (laughs) Do you say Vivian or Viv?
1: Norman's good. Uh, Vivian when she's in trouble. Vivian. Vivian. (laughs) Vivian (laughs) Warhurst. And then when she's good, Vivi. Vivi. Yes, it's two syllables. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so there you go, Little Lotus is part of the And Just Like That fan. But speaking of which, we need to debrief the season finale of season two of And Just Like That, the Sex and the City reboot that seems to get better as we went along. Have you watched mm. it all, Miff?
1: I did watch it all, although it was last Thursday, so and it was late because I was excited. <laughs> And so I don't remember a lot. I mean, I remember it, but it's not, you know, it's not it's not front of mind anymore. Glad to see that it stayed with you. <laughs> it did, it did. Well, the, the however, 30 seconds of our mate Samantha Jones in the back of a, a black cab in the UK on mm. the phone could make the dinner party, of course. Uh, that she got paid $1 million for?
0: I saw a few different things. Daily Mail, Daily Fail, as you call it, said $1 million. I saw another article that said three hundred and fifty k. Either way, she got a good payday for I think what Absolutely. was 71 seconds of screen time and was I say good it? for you. It,
1: did it feel good to you? Because I'm not, yeah, I, I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this now. sort of felt like very late in the season. Like if they'd done it at the start when I was wanting her, But then by the end, it's almost become a totally other show. And then there was Samantha.
0: It was a little band aid that I think they wanted to put there just to help stem the blood flow from our loss of Samantha, because it's Mm. a a loss that we've felt keenly, which Seema, who I've said before, has kind of filled that gap, but nowhere near to the extent of Mm. what the character that Kim Cattrall brought to the whole series and the films. And I reckon if we didn't know that she was popping up, it would have been more exciting. But we knew they announced. And whether they, maybe it was leaked and they had to announce and they didn't plan on announcing, but it would have been so much better if we didn't know. And then all of a sudden it's just like, oh my God, there she is. I didn't think this was going to happen. But instead, there was this anticipation. What's it going to be? What's it going to look like? And I tell you what, I watched that scene and then afterwards. I just got onto YouTube and found a supercut of all the best one-liners that Samantha Jones gave through the series. (laughs) And it both gave me so much joy but also made me feel even more lacking for what that could be because it wasn't good writing. It was a bit, you know, you you know the story of how they're just not – don't even like each other, there's been a real sort of Mm. uh, cut in in the ties of of that friendship and that working relationship even. It's been kind of ugly, so it's hard to separate that from the scene, but also I just don't think it was written that well, and so when you go back and you think about all the incredible one-liners that Samantha Joan just cut through as one of the best characters, if not the best character in Sex and the City, Mm. to then see that, it was just, yeah, comparing it, um, not great. You just want more, yeah. but it's not going to happen, so you've got to move on. But, yeah, the anticipation, I think, killed
1: the reveal for me. Yeah, I think so too. And the fact that she's going by another name over there as well, I was like, what the, what's that about? Oh, I mean, yeah, what was that? I don't know. It was just weird. It's <laughs> like, girl, you, you're awesome. Don't change
0: your name. Well, I tell you what, this season, apart from the Samantha Jones um, in the last episode, which the good thing about it was that it came at the start of the episode instead of the end. The end Mm. of the episode featuring the full dinner party I thought was a slightly lazy way of tying together a whole bunch of different storylines because they have expanded from the four key women Mm. to a much broader cast and they've done that because it's clearly – a non-inclusive show from the 90s and naughties, and they mm. realised they needed to update. But in doing that, they've now got this huge cast and they're creating all these different storylines, some of them stronger than others, and they kind mm. of felt like they needed to tie it all up in a neat little bow. So let's put yeah. a dinner party on. There they all are and we can just dip in and out. And I thought that that was kind of lazy and just thinned out all of the different storylines because it had done that way. It's like, let's just get this sorted out and put it over there and it's all done. So the dinner yeah. party for me wasn't that um good. But I would say that like the last few episodes, aside from that, it feels like a lot of these characters have had a bit more of a deeper and meaningful development. You know that I love work Charlotte. I reckon she's been the winner of series two, yeah. that's for sure, of And Just Like that. She's really kind of particularly when you see the conservative sort of character she's been throughout the whole series of, of, of Sex and the City and the first season of And Just Like That, to see that flip and to see how, you know, plastic her mind is, that she can change and she can evolve yeah. and she's, you know, g- approaching the 2020s in a very different way. I really like that. Mm.
1: I liked it too, that speech where she talks about to her husband about doing the bare minimum. Oh, yeah. I think is is something that a lot of people related to. And she actually says she's been saying some of the most interesting things on the show because she is extremely privileged and she is totally bonkers. <laughs> um, but it, with the, even within that prism she somehow still worked out that things aren't great for her. Yeah. And... Yeah, it's um, I, yeah, I, li- I like the evolution of Charlotte in this one. Um, I like her with a hangover. That was pretty funny. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love Charlotte ripping the lid off it too. Yeah, it's good. absolutely. It was good. The, the 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 weird bit I thought was the Aiden stuff. Oh my god! Yeah, Aiden's back, and and he's just so. I mean, was he? Was he this? I, mean, I hate to be so judgmental. But nah, he's, say so da- he's so dorky. Can I just say
0: I don't remember this, but John Corbett is not a good actor. Did I forget this because he was <laughs> handsome? But he's just—he's a really bad wet actor. Like he's—is he? He's I don't just know. I just cheesy found, I just ass. That, yeah, you might like be like right, distractingly feeling... bad. Yeah, I loved him in Northern Exposure. I loved him he in Sex and the City. In Northern Exposure. Somehow he's devolved. He's a shit actor now. Or <laughs> maybe I just didn't <laughs> notice because he was so handsome.
1: Oh, it's a, maybe it's just a shit roll for him. I don't know. It's it seems odd. The the bit where at the end where he says to Carrie, um, he has to be back with his son, and therefore she has to wait five years. So he can't come back to New York. For so prescriptive, five years. Five years. It's like what? What is this? I know you have to be there for your son, and Carrie seems pretty understanding about the whole sitch. Yeah. Um, why did he have to do that? That's a breakup. Like, why?
0: That whole experience of when they got back together again, and she is, you know, she's fine with him not being comfortable about coming to the apartment. I understand that that was he was really hurt, but I'm like, how are you going to be with this person and move forward if you're not even going to deal with that? Deal with the fact that she this is her house and oh you no. refuse
1: to go in. Like that's a massive oh no, red no, no. flag it, for me. I, I give him I give him full permission <laughs> to hold a grudge. <laughs> full permission, put the foot down, say no. I, think I clearly go to the Jonah Hill School of Boundaries. <laughs>
0: You're not like Miranda. You haven't evolved where you cut ties completely and never talk to your exes again. <laughs> No, I do that too. You um, will not step a foot <laughs> inside that old apartment. I, I found that really um rigid and
1: I didn't like that at all, but you know, that's just me. <laughs> you you from a different Yeah, no, perspective. I liked it. I liked it. So, come like, on, yeah. You hate that place. Don't don't put yourself in there. The 5 years though
0: is just so weird. Like how can you put a concise time on something like that and also just to be like there's boundaries and there's boundaries, right? And like, oh, I just go, I'm not going to see you. It's like, "Well, you don't live that far away. <laughs> we can visit and stuff." It's I know. just it's just so weird, but also, you know he broke it, up
1: with it. He broke up with it. That's it. Like, that's a breakup. I saw it as a really toxic thing
0: to say. And I think because there was little hints of it in the way that he talked about the house and also the way that he's saying that he, he waited for her for 10 years, which is also creepy when you think about the fact that he married someone else. And had kids and yeah. all that. You creep. <laughs> but he, I think that he said that, and maybe I'm saying something controversial here that Bang Fam and you won't agree with, but... I think that he it's, whether consciously or not, a little bit of revenge. I think that he wanted to hurt her back. That's why I think he was just like, I'm going to tell mm. you that you've got to go away and wait for five years and test you. And i, I that's how I took it. And I was like, oh, you know yuck. I, you can't act yuck. and you're mean. Yuck.
1: Fair fair call. <laughs> fair call. I just thought it was a bit midlife crisis you know. Oh, my, my relationship's broken down and, and my kids are all over the place and... I'll just look up, you know, it's like that old Facebook thing, look up your ex on Facebook and get back in contact. Don't do it. It's just gross. Like, and I think that's what I feel like it was. And then he regretted it. I don't think it was quite that calculated. So you reckon
0: he's gone there and then gone on, this is not going to work, so I'm just going to piss off and say that I need to take a break for five years.
1: Five years, five years. Five Five years! Five (laughs) years!
0: Even saying it out loud, I know. Uh, something else that was shocking to me <laughs> was that Carrie um, left her bras for Lisette. Her, Yuck. Was, Why? Why would she? And 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 further to that, Lisette was excited by that. Why were she you giving her bras? Secondhand old oh,
1: dirty bras. <laughs> no, you don't even take those to the secondhand stores. It's no. not fair. No one wants your undies. No one. If you ever, if you do that, you're a bad person. I get. I kind of get bras if they haven't. Warn them much, but like undies to the salvos, you're a bad person. (laughs) You're going to hell. Do you know anyone who's
0: ever given undies to the salvos? No, but I know people do. I mean, you do see them in there, don't you? Surely they don't take them. You can't reuse undies. No,
1: you can't. And no one wants them. (laughs) Put them in the bin, you lazy. (laughs) Or do something with them. Make rags rags. out of them, them. Don't give them to someone else to sort out. That's fucked up. Stanford also anyway. is
0: a monk, which is another weird way to
1: tie up that <laughs> little loose end. Oh, but he also died. He did die. And you know what I so picked up from that scene? that was quite touching. That was quite touching yeah, I t- in real life, I should say, that that's... the character who played him died in real life.
0: And I reckon, I don't know if you picked up on this, but in that scene where Carrie is talking to Anthony and that's part of... The character development and the story that I really like for Anthony as well, particularly with his young um, Italian lover who's talking about the walls that he puts up, and oh. <laughs> and there's double meaning there, very funny, but they're kind of talking about moving on and dealing with that and, of course, Anthony and Stanford were together and as they're talking about him and showing pictures of him becoming a monk, they cheers him with a, a cocktail in a martini glass and Carrie, and at this moment, I feel like it's Sarah Jessica Parker Drank and just kept drinking. Mm. And I feel like that was a real peel back the curtain. She was saluting her friend because you can imagine Mm. she would have been very close to him and he died. And I saw that and went, yeah. And I could see Anthony, the actor who played Anthony, looking at her in a way. It's like, yeah, this was not scripted. You've done this as a, a salute to your friend who died.
1: And also I think it was really clever that in the letter he gave away all his possessions yeah. And and I think that's a real nod to you can't take anything with you when you do pass.
0: And in a show like that where it's so much about material wealth and yeah. so much
1: about acquisition, about real I estate. quite like that. Yeah. I quite like that moment. I thought it was quite beautiful and touching.
0: Look, I reckon, I reckon it definitely got better. Season one was a little bit all over the place and catching up in a really kind of whiplash way, which we've talked about a lot on Bang On. One of the things that I think I've seen a couple of people mention I think is really valid and I'd love to know your thoughts on that too because I think you have been speaking about this in other forums and here on Bang On quite a bit, but the show doesn't talk about menopause at all. And this is Mm. women in their menopause era, women in their 50s going into their 60s, who if not haven't already gone through menopause, are are going through it or are on the other side of it. And Mm. it's not talked about at all. And I reckon that's just a real missed opportunity in this time where it feels like everyone is... Talking about it a lot more, there's a real fight against the taboos and the unnecessary taboos around menopause. Naomi Watts, for yeah. example, Australian actor, has been really vocal for that reason. Other people, you did a show on it, you know. Yeah, it's like I
1: learned heaps because I didn't know anything. And it shows like this that have an opportunity to show, you know, women experiencing certain things and they just totally backed away from it, which seems very odd. Yeah. Because it's such a huge part of what happens to us at that age, a huge, massive part of it, because usually, you know, if you've got kids too, your kids are teenagers, also going through great hormonal changes. It's chaos. Mm. It, it could be chaos for some some people. Their their parent, elderly parents, are getting sick. That there's all that stuff, and it's you know, it's not very glamorous. But at the same time, they were so sex positive about everything else. It seems odd that this has just been completely shunted.
0: And on that tip, Carrie seems to have regressed in terms of being oh. sex positive and open. She's, you know, she's balked at a few things. Well, the menopause thing, you know, doing the yeah, SponCon, that, con, that was kind was of that? the only time that they that they mentioned it, didn't
1: they, at the then very start of the series? She didn't want to do it. Yeah. She didn't want to do it. And for some women, that whatever that was, its I've, I don't know exactly what they are, but it's some sort of... F- vaginal moisture thing or whatever. Mm. Um apparently that's a fucking lifesaver for people. Yeah. So it seems odd that she would go I'm not doing that because I, I don't know it just it, it it didn't fit well with a sex columnist. <laughs>
0: I reckon she that seems yeah. to have
1: lost, she's lost her, lost her mojo in that department completely.
0: 100%. Yeah. Oh, it's an interesting series. We'll all be back for series three. We've already heard of that course. it's going to be coming back. Although, when we don't know because the writer's strike continues, the actor's strike continues. When productions are going to go back into production is a whole other question. But when they do, we're going to be watching and love hating every moment of it, aren't we, Miff?
1: Absolutely. Love
0: hate. What are
1: you banging on about this week? oh, I went and saw the most beautiful movie and I feel like it was made for me and some people are saying it's just annoying and it's too... It's just too quirky and it's too Wes Anderson, but for me that was everything I needed at the time and it's the new one. It's the brand new Wes Anderson called Asteroid City and far out it was gorgeous. I loved it. <laughs> loved it. It looks like, you know, those postcards, the whole thing. Wes Anderson is very obviously renowned for his stylistic choices and, and colours and, and sets and everything looks fake but real but fake but real. And um, Asteroid City looks like is it the exact colours of those postcards that you'd find at your nan's. In the, in the cupboard with her, you know, her teaspoons. It's that really electric blue uh. and the oranges of the desert. And oh, it's just absolutely heaven. And um, the cast is amazing. Scarlett Johansson's in it. We've got Jason Schwartzman back in, obviously, because he's in all of them pretty much. Um, there's Tom Hanks makes an appearance. In this movie, which and I know I've had words about Tom Hanks in the past, quite liked him in this one. I Have to say, first time. Adrian Brody, Tilda Swinton, like it's it's wild the casting in in this film. It's just star after star, but it's beautiful. It's about these little kids that go into a place in the in the desert with their parents. It's called Asteroid City because an asteroid fell there many, many years ago and, a, and uh, a spaceship comes down and takes the asteroid back while they're there, getting their, getting their certificates of merit. And it's really cute and it's lovely, but it's about loss and it's, yeah, it's, it's about loss and growth and yeah, it's, it's just a bit beautifully done. Absolutely beautifully done. I needed it. I needed it because it's nothing and everything at the same time and yeah it was just it was a really lovely way to put my head in a an entirely different world and mm. a, a really beautifully crafted and constructed world at that. And yeah, I think I think it's it might be one of my faves of of where's okay cool. Yeah, like it's 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 up there. I think I just I just loved it. So yeah, um Oh, I, I was surprised by how much I loved it because, you know, I think people are very used to what he's putting out yeah. and it kind of feels a bit samey sometimes, but there was something about this that really kicked in my nostalgia, but but not in a kind of patronising way. It was just, it was funny and fun and yeah, I loved it.
0: Unreal. All right. That's a good sell. And I saw also, <laughs> I was almost going to see it over the weekend, but I felt a bit unwell, so I, I nicked off on it, but... An hour and 45 is a sweet time. No, I, a, I still got a little
1: bit <laughs> bored at the end. I was like, hurry this up. A few too many diversions here. But it was perfect. It was actually one of the best yeah. um, in terms of length of late.
0: It's getting closer to that hour, that sweet spot of an hour 30, isn't it? The 90-minute French yeah, film perfect. structure of 90 minutes, yes. get in, get out. That's all you need.
1: Well, they're all addicted to cigarettes too. They would have had to get out, get out of the cinema too. Still, <laughs> true.
0: This is the reason why French cinema is ninety Nicotine. minutes because everybody Nicotine. needs to get on the darts <laughs> asap. <laughs> Makes
1: sense. What are you banging on about?
0: I'm banging on about a book that is a bestseller. Many of our bang fam would have read this book. It is the Dictionary of Lost Words by Pip Williams, which is an epic tale kind of based on the formation of the Oxford English Dictionary but with Mm. a fictional story at its centre of a character called Esme who basically kind of grows up in the scriptorium where they are finding words, figuring out their meanings, contextualising their meanings and choosing which words go into the dictionary. And that's a very sort of simple scaffolding of what the story is but really this is a story about language, power, who gets to decide what words we use and what words are put in print and kept as the words in the dictionary, how that tells our story, what story that is, all of that. And it comes through a period of the kind of late 1800s into the 1900s, into the First World War, the suffragette movement, all of that, and it's just, as it sounds like, an epic tale that goes over many, many decades and Essie who's Esme, the main character. It goes from a young girl to a woman in her middle age throughout the story. And it's just so good. Like I listened to it um, in audiobook. I've been out in the garden again, which is why I've oh, been yes. digging into it. Yeah, uh, I love listening to audiobooks in the garden because the garden is a happy place, but I'm someone who sort of needs to be stimulated in other ways too. So I kind of just spent hours listening to the book while I'm you know, in that little living space, weeding, pottering, composting, pottering. having a little potter, living my best mm. mid-40s life in my garden. Great. Enjoy but your garden. I just loved it. Like, it, you know, it's for anybody who started reading it. And I say this because when I posted about it on my Instagram, a couple of people were like, oh, I'm kind of keep on picking it up and putting it down. The first bit of it where they're kind of setting up the scriptorium does go for quite a while. And I was sort of itching for it to kind of move forward, know that it does move forward. And from there, it just takes off and it's just, so good and i'm i feel like i'm preaching to the converted here it's a bestseller it's been turned into a stage play for the sydney theatre company that's happening i think in october um a lot of people have read this but if you haven't yet and you've seen the size of it you know mm. it's a thick book or you've seen how long it takes to to listen to don't be scared by that because it is a really beautiful book and makes you think about language and the power of language and uh, remind you of that in a, in a really important way. So I loved it. Highly recommend. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, that was fun today. Yeah. Lots, Lots to bang to on about. <laughs> Lots yeah. to discuss. Lots
1: to discuss at our annual general meeting. Do you, you like how attending. I just, yeah,
0: we just do a little recap at the end. <laughs> oh, that was good, wasn't it? Yeah, I liked <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. Should we do that again <laughs> next week?
1: Why not? All Why right? not? Same time,
0: same batch. Well done. Time. Time. well done. Good on you, old chap. <laughs> nice yeah, done. Yeah, no, well done.
1: Tell you. Bang. Bang on. Um, one of the lovely BangFam emails included, put the deodorant under your boobs and stop the underboobs. Why have I not thought of this shit? Have you given it a go? No, not yet, but I will. <laughs>